the National Concert Hall is delighted to announce its new concert season for 24-25, featuring over 60 concerts by world-class artists. Enjoy the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra with Sir Simon Rattle, our very own National Symphony Orchestra and guests, opera favourites with Tara Erocht, cutting-edge music with Bryce Desner, family concerts and lots more. Your music, your National Concert Hall. Book now. Package discounts available. cnch.ie Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the book club. I'm here with Neve Towie, Anne Ingle and Bernice Harrison. And this month we are talking about Old Babes in the Wood, a collection of short stories by the amazing Margaret Atwood, who we've been lucky enough to have on this podcast a couple of times. She is celebrated all around the world as one of the most gifted storytellers that we have. Um, I'll just read the little blurb, as I always do. These stories explore the full warp and weft of experience from two best friends disagreeing about their shared past to the right way to stop someone from choking, from a daughter determining if her mother really is a witch, to what to do with inherited relics such as Second World War parade swords. The stories feature beloved cats, a confused snail, George Orwell, uh, Hypatia of Alexandria, a cabal of elderly female academics and an alien tasked with retelling human fairy tales. At the heart of the collection is a stunning sequence that follows a married couple as they travel the road together, the moments big and small that make up a long life of love and what comes after. And the critics really uh, raved about They say there's no greater living writer. She's a living legend, funny, sharp, witty and clever. But Anne Ingle, you are the same age as Margaret Atwood, 83 and nearly 84. What did you think of Old Babes in the Wood? Being a bit of an old babe in the wood yourself. (laughs) Thanks a lot, (laughs) Great. (laughs) See what I did there? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, Well, the first thing I'd say is it's really difficult to review a book of stories. You know, it's one thing when you're reading a novel and having to say things about it. But when it's stories, it's different because they're also little entities in themselves. This particular book of short stories, Old Babes in the Wood, comprises three sections. It starts off with Tig and Nell, and then it goes on to the, a section called My Evil Mother, and then we're back to Nell and Tig again. So as Roche has already said, Margaret Atwood and myself are the same age. So I can identify with a lot of the themes in this book of short stories, particularly the last section, Nell and Tig. Tig has died and Nell relates memories of their life together and talks of the ageing process and being alone. She is left to live like a student with makeshift meals that he would have hated. You know, the way it is when you've got a man to cook for, it's a whole other story. You're on your own, you just, oh, I'll have a bit of that, a bit of this. Girl dinners, they call it. Yeah, it's not the same thing. But uh, nevertheless, it's not sentimental or lacrimose. And seeing that Atwood recently lost her husband of many years, 
It comes from her own recent experience. It's like she's letting younger readers know what is in store, and she does it so well. Now, the middle section contains stories, as Roshan has just read from the blurb, that cover an awful lot of diverse matters, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and they could only emanate from Atwood's amazing imagination. For example, there's a story called Impatient Griselda, which is a monologue delivered by an octopus-like alien storyteller sent to Earth as a part of an aid package in response to a deadly plague very much COVID-related. And another uh, free-for-all is set in a future world in which a deadly sexually transmitted disease has devastated society. So you can get the picture. We're going back into her love of the science fiction and all that kind of thing. And if that's your thing, well, you know, you'll enjoy those stories, but some of them don't, for me, quite hit the mark. Like the one about the snail, there's one called The, the Journey of the Soul, is narrated by the soul of a snail forced to share a human body. It's a kind of funny, but I don't know really what it's supposed to mean. It, I mean, it captured my imagination, all right, this snail being a human, but really and truly at the end of it, I was just left saying, well, what was that all about? It's but, called also metempsychosis, isn't it? Yeah, I couldn't say that word. So really. basically, this, yeah, metempsychosis, <laughs> and it's about this, this snail who ends up in a human body and really doesn't like the experience of being in a human body. Yes, but that word was too much for me, that metempsychosis. Okay. Yeah, okay. But thanks for that, putting that bit in. I just thought I'd put it in. That's right, you're right. (laughs) The Dead Interview is another story where she talks to George Orwell and uh, is conducted through a medium. And that, I thought, was a bit self-indulgent. I mean, maybe it's something she would have loved to have done in real life at one stage, talk to George Orwell. But uh, for me, it, it really didn't come across, I, I didn't get the message. And I actually am a great fan of George Orwell myself. I really love his work. But the one I did like uh, in the middle of the whole thing was the Air- Airborne Symposium, in which the three retired academics meet for dinner and drinks in a garden, keeping outside fear of infection. So we've got another COVID reference there. They all have to sit in the garden. I thought that was great. The feminist talk between these mature academic women was very funny. They talked about the books they had written and the subsequent fallout, particularly when you're writing as a woman. Uh, One of them says, if you publish your book and you've got a C-word body part, you're a hate magnet. So there's all sorts of trolling and bad uh, reviews that they got from the, the, the things where they were being absolutely honest about what they thought of things. From the last section, um, Wooden Box is a lovely story. It's really beautifully done. It relates to Tig and Nell's last days together. Mm. And a quote from that is, neither of them had any control over it, this gradual departure of his life. It just was inevitable and it was just happening. And she she gets into bed and she says, don't go, don't go, when he's asleep in bed. And, you know, it's, it really is a, a really affecting, poignant, poignant story, which I think is really beautifully done. Because you think, Mom, I mean, it's hard to know she's not here, but, you know, her husband, Graham, who died, as you said, I feel like Tegan Nell tells very much mm. the story oh. of their incredible relationship. Yes. I mean, he was an, a poet as well, an, an artist. And so they, they had this very deep mm. kind of culturally significant kind yeah. of... Um, that, that comes across in all this, every time that she writes about the, the death of the husband... And then The Widows is another short piece um, that's simply a letter 
from now describing life after Tig's um, departure. It's um, very personal and, and says more than re the recipient would want to hear. And so subsequently she write, rewrites it in a more conventional way because she's laying it all out there, you know, in that particular thing. She says, uh, but I don't want any casseroles or oblique probing questions or visits from professionals or nieces talking me into buying an assisted care condo. And no, I don't want to go on a cruise. <laughs> All that kind of advice <laughs> that one would get as a widow, like, you know, this is pull yourself together, go on a cruise, last thing you want to do. So there's 15 stories in, in the whole thing. Um, and the, the first one is called First Aid. They, they go on a, a course together where they're learning about how to... Um, look after themselves in the, aid, in the event of different things happening. But at the end, they realize that it's better to just live life without pondering on the outcomes or uncertainties or how to avoid things. And, you know, it's just the way that she, she does that at the end when she says um, the ultimate message for me was, had they been that careless, that oblivious, they had. Obliviousness had served them well. Mm. And really, I think that's what we all have to do, you know, just get on with it and be oblivious to all the things that are going to happen to you. And when you're younger and you're in the, the midst of your life, you're working away and it's easy to be oblivious because you have so much to do and so much to think about. But as you get older, you do start thinking a little bit more because you have more time to do so. But I think it's best to go on and be oblivious. Mm. But as for the whole book... Now, it wouldn't be for everybody, I don't think, this book, because it is so varied. I just loved the first section and the last section, and they would have been a book for me if she'd have done a bit more of that kind of stuff. It would have been a lovely novella about, like, a dedication, really, to him, the yeah, husband that's because I think it is dedicated to him. Isn't yeah, it, it is. It is. But I mean, I mean, I don't mean dedicated in that way. I mean that it was all about him and her relationship. Yeah. And, of course, she then throws it in the middle section, all her usual... Well, not usual. You know what I mean? It's not hackneyed or anything. It's all, it's all original stuff. Mm. But it's all appeared in magazines and newspapers, or most yeah. of it has before. So people have had uh, privy to it. So overall, um, as I say, I wouldn't re uh, recommend it to everybody, but except I do really like the way she has handled the Tig and Nell and their relationship together. Thanks. I think um, your point that you made earlier is really a good one about almost it reads a lot of it like a note for younger people about growing older, about how to appreciate life, about the things that are important, mm. the things that aren't important. It's like Margaret Atwood has lived through it. She's coming to the end and she's with her brilliant brain. She's sort of forewarning, I think, people who are yes. younger. So I do think that even though it's called Old Babes in the Woods and it is very much a lot of it about experience of older people are in most of the stories that I don't think that younger people necessarily enjoy it either because I think if you're looking for those clues or mm. those insights and that they wisdom. They don't want to know. Yeah. Uh, younger people really don't want to know. <laughs> but it's like in that same story that you just uh, quoted from, no one knows the final outcome, though why is it called an outcome? No one comes out eventually. We aren't going to make it out of here alive, yes. Tig used to say as a joke, although it wasn't one. And if you did guess, if you could foresee, would that be better? No. You'd live in grief all the time. You'd be mourning things that hadn't happened happened yet. Yeah. I think that's a very good opening of the whole yes. um, yeah. thing about just, taking on. Just get on with life and 
see so, what happens. So, Bernice, for you, mm. um, could I start by asking you about the, that middle section and the more sort of maybe science yeah. fiction ones? How did they land for you? Because some people would have loved them. And the only thing I thought about a couple of those was that I would love them to be longer or I'd almost like one of those to be a novel rather than a short story. Yeah, well, I mean, I have to say I completely agree with just about everything Anne has said. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Completely. Um, is this the first collection of short stories we've we've read in our book club? I think, I'm not sure. It I'm not sure, but it, it struck back. me that it's, I think the interesting thing about being in a book club, well, there's many interesting things, <laughs> uh, but is that it makes you sort of question how you read, not just what you're reading, it's how you read. And so I often find myself questioning how I read and, you know, the things that I'm sort of, the sort of the genres that I'm against and all that. So the book club has made me think about all these sort of things. And I think a, uh, a short story collection for me is not really very suitable for a book ah. club because for me, I I could take a year to read a collection of short stories because it's the sort of thing I tap by the bed. Yeah. And when I'm not in the mood for my book, I might pick it up and if pick out the shorter short story mm. and read that. Or if I'm going on a longer journey on a train, I might, you know, read mm. the longer, you know. So in other words, I'm not racing towards the finish. I'm... Mm picking it up and putting it down. So so with result, that does make it slightly tricky for a book club, doesn't mm-hmm, it? Yeah. And then also that sort of pick and mix type approach. I'm conscious that when a writer is putting together a book of short stories, they very carefully think of the sequence and they very carefully think of the shape of the book. But sure, you know, as a reader, I'm not following that. And in fact, I had read, I didn't read, Old Babes in the Wood, the short story. That appeared in The New Yorker. And the fantastic thing is, Margaret Atwood read it. Oh, brilliant. So you can hear her reading it. Yeah. So that's so that was my first introduction to this book. And that story is, in fact, the last story yeah. in the collection here. So, yeah. For me, absolutely. The stories that I wanted to read and I wanted to read more of and that really struck home were the Tig and Nell ones. And Tig, we should say, is... is a ma- I was reading it originally in the very first story and I I wasn't sure what Tig, what Tig was a, her, her husband. And I love them. I love them as a couple, particularly Nell is portrayed as a very oh, interesting kind yes, of woman. Absolutely. She's this can-do sort of woman. You know, she's very stoic, can-do. But of course, underneath all this, she's in deep, deep, deep in grief for her Tig, who who was her life partner, who, who had died. So I love those stories, the Tig and Nell stories. I was so happy just to read them. And I found myself dipping my toe into the middle stories, the futuristic, sci-fi, magic realistic kind of stories. And I thought, oh, no, I, 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 and then again, you think, well, is this just the mood? If I pick it up again another day, yeah. am I going to think differently about that? Mm-hmm. And I think, I suppose, a book, collection of short stories does give you that kind of option. I thought you mentioned one of the stories in this middle section, Free For All. I like that very much mm-hmm. because, of course, for, I think for a lot of people, I mean, it's hard to emphasise how prolific Margaret Atwood has been. I mean, her previous novels, our previous books, it's not novels only, it's, there's children books, there's non-fiction, there's novels, there's shorter fiction, there's poetry. That takes up two pages at the start of the book. <laughs> the whole list, it's extraordinary. So Tell people about Free For All though. Well, Free For All, is... now, I'll tell you why. I, I Actually, I really like Free For All because Free For All reminded me of The Handmaid's Tale. Yes, yes. And I think maybe perhaps a lot of people might be coming to Margaret Atwood now, fresh, just really maybe on foot of seeing The Handmaid's Tale on the telly. And there is something about free for all this matriarchy, this women dominated uh, culture that that 
you know, selects partners for each other because they want to have babies that live that won't be contaminated by by this disease that's that's uh, communicated by kissing and. So it has, and there's very strict dress code and all that. So it does have echoes of The Handmaid's Tale. And I think people who like The Handmaid's Tale will love that. But that's as far as I got into the middle section of those mm. stories dealing with that. I I, I, I didn't love that. Now, maybe I will. Maybe I'll go back. I have a whole year to read this now. <laughs> let's face it. So, um, but I, I think for just the Tig and Nell short stories, yeah. for them alone, I say yes, Absolutely. Brilliant. And um, speaking of that middle section, I really liked the evil mother story. I thought mm. she really got the mother daughter thing. And I thought it was very funny. So it's about this really weird mother woman who sort of makes out to her daughter that she's a witch. She grows up um, a single mother on her own and the, she pretends that the father is, she's transformed him into a garden gnome, which sounds weird in the in the garden. But anyway, this young one grows up with this mother who's very eccentric and just the arc of that story and how it comes around and how it has echoes in her own parenting then at the very end. I, I loved that as a little short story myself. It wasn't science fiction-y so much. It was quite real. Yes. But maybe it had that magic realism. The National Concert Hall is delighted to announce its new concert season for 24-25, featuring over 60 concerts by world-class artists. Enjoy the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra with Sir Simon Rattle, our very own National Symphony Orchestra and guests, opera favourites with Tara Erocht, cutting-edge music with Bryce Desner, family concerts and lots more. Your music, your National Concert Hall. Book now. Package discounts available. cnch.ie Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Neve, you're the youngest on, on of the group and these stories, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of them are uh, feature older people or that sense of ageing or loss or grief or death. How did you find it? Because have you read, had you read Margaret Atwood before in other... I had, I had read The Handmaid's Tale. I hadn't watched the series, but, um, and... I mean, we're all fans of that book. I think we can take that as a as a given. Um, but I had kind of forgotten, I suppose, approaching this, that, of course, The Handmaid's Tale is kind of sci-fi uh, in genre, which wouldn't be my cup of tea, uh, to say the least. And also, I'd echo what Bernice said, short stories aren't really for me either. I find them difficult. And I also agree with you, Bernice, they think they can take a bit more time. Because each short story you read needs its own kind of period of reflection. So you can't just skip straight into next chapter after next chapter, which I ended up doing in this because I was caught for time reading it. So I read them all in one (laughs) go. And um, like there's a couple of short stories she has in there that you'd need the cultural references. You'd need to have read the stuff that she's referencing in it. Like a lot of the the passage where she interviews George Orwell through... um, through a medium, which is funny, like so, so much of it was like I was like, is she high? Or, uh, <laughs> uh, how is she coming up that. with this? Is she high? <laughs> um, yeah, it was like 
bizarre. Her imagination knows no bounds. Um, like that, I definitely got that from it. Whereas I thought The Handmaid's Tale was just a way of portraying the awfulness of being a woman often through this benign world. So the George Orwell one, okay, we all know kind of the uh, outline in 1984, but there was a lot of references. She was questioning him about other work that he had done that I wasn't familiar with. And so I like kind of went over my head a small bit. Mm. Same thing goes for the one that's based on um, the story of Griselda, which is an old fo- uh, folklore tale, yeah, um, which I wasn't familiar with. So a lot of the references and because the short stories are so short, you don't really have time to familiarise yourself with the background. You have to already know it if you're going to actually get the buzz out of it that she's trying to portray. So there were a couple of the stories that went over my head. But having said that, some of them are just so incredibly entertaining for what they were that it didn't really matter. Um, I know you didn't like the one about the snail, uh, Anne, but I really really enjoyed the one about the snail. (laughs) The bit where they have sex and she wants to stab him in the ear with her receptacle because she thinks she's still a snail. Like, it's so funny. I know that lettuce... And yeah. give, me, give me bad fruit. And she really wants her slime back. Like, she really wants her slime back. And she goes to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist is like, I think we're running out of time here because she's telling him that, really, you don't understand because I'm a snail. <laughs> and it's just really funny. It like is that, funny. I really, it is funny. I really enjoyed that one. And I'm not a fan of sci-fi, but some of them are just hilarious. Some of them are just really funny. Um, so there's a lot in it, I think, that'll keep you going, that'll just have you roaring laughing. There's other bits then, like, as I said, that went over my head. But I think the real anchors in this book are Tig and Nell, or Nell and Tig. Um, and I actually, I read both of those passages first before I went oh, into the short stories. Idea. And I think that's actually kind of a pretty good way to yeah, do it as yeah, well. If you're idea. like, um, I, especially when you're approaching a book for a book club, I want to get a sense of what is this about? Mm. Like, what is the kind of overarching theme of what she's trying to do in this book? And I think that those, the Tig and Nell sections give you that. So, um, I, I read uh, there's a review that says a glowing review about this book um, but they say that Atwood um, she has three different visions she looks forward she looks back mm. and she also assesses things uh, with a different outcome meaning kind of sci-fi mm. but this very much felt to me like a look back book and the Tig and Nell sections uh, assess all of that really well and my, I think my favourite part out of the Tig and Nell stories was the one where um, she's talking about Tig's father uh, who had been in World War Two? He was this really damaged veteran um, who tried to put on a kind of sunny side, and they ne- she never really felt like she got under the skin of who he really was and the things that had affected him, until he dies and she comes across poetry of his uh, that he'd written during the war, and it's all about like it's very like. Um, she doesn't quite understand what he's getting at, but it seems to reference this lover he had or maybe an unrequested love um, whilst he was at war. And uh, it's just fascinating because the poems, I assume she's written herself, but she's unpicking the poems for what they mean. And it's so fascinating to see a writer like Atwood unpick her own poetry <laughs> and see what's meant by it. And um, and apart from all of that, it just, I mean, the real master in her work is that she really explores what it is to have lived a certain life and what it is to look back on this really long and varied life and she does that through that character but you can tell she's such an experienced woman um, with this great massive knowledge of so many things in life that I think just because I'm younger I didn't that didn't wouldn't put me off it's Mm. not obviously I can't relate to it you don't have to relate to everything to appreciate it and um, I really thought that this was an excellent excellent piece of work by Atwood um, and I was 
felt really happy to be given it and put in my hands. Not sure I would have picked it up otherwise. Yeah. Roisin, what did what did you think? Yeah, I really, I, I sort of again, I, I hate to be agreeing with mm. with everybody. I'm not, I don't get along the best with science fiction, but I actually liked free for all, free for all, and I did enjoy the snail one as well. And I'm trying to think of the another one that's yeah, with the the giant octopus and all that. They're kind of entertaining, but I wonder would in a way. I'm sure there was a discussion with the publisher probably, do we just put this Tig and Nell stuff together? Is this other stuff a separate book? I suppose that's a debate mm. they probably had and decided let's put them all together because they, they were all there as a body of work. But I, I really, I just, I find, um, I know what you're saying about goes over your head and all that, but it just feel like you feel more intelligent after yeah. reading it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because then you go off and you maybe look something up or yeah. it reminds you of mm. something and... She just feeds the brain, I think, as well as the heart, though, because a lot of it's very down to earth, just about um, human relationships, about ageing, about loss, about grief and all that. She does that so that is well. A, that's the amazing thing that she can write mm. in those two different ways. Mm. Like, you know, it's very down to earth. Taking it there. is. We can all understand yeah. it's it ordinary. completely. It's ordinary. It's about boiled eggs and it's and about And yet she can things. go into her flights yeah. of imagination then. Yeah. So that's her gift, mm. you know. But and also, don't you get from her, and I think in everything she does, her fascination with just the human condition and with people yeah you tell that she just is very interested mm. in all sorts of who's our favorite like Anne Tyler moment and in a way her work reminds me a little bit of Anne Tyler's work in just family dynamics and yeah, yeah. relationships and all of that thing the way Anne Tyler does it so well as well but but there's no sense sure there isn't mm. that Margaret Atwood as we said she's 83 there's no sense that of diminished powers. Not at all. No. no, I mean, there's no sense. She has got her You see in the acknowledgements, I think uh, I was very interested in reading the acknowledgements because she kind of says she references people who are keeping her going. So I'd say this is a kind of an entourage. Yeah, but I mean, they, but she's completely plugged into what, oh, yeah. what's totally. going on. They're oh, keeping absolutely. going in terms of writing stories. No, I mean to say actually physically keeping going. But she's got an amazing support network, as you would though after like six decades of of doing this yes, business. I mean, she, 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 in the acknowledgement, she talks about retired agents, retired editors, the people who've been with her for decades. And, and she's still going. People, and she's still yeah. there putting out the material, you know. And also the other strain in, in all her writing and in this book particularly is, is nature as well. You've got the sense of the woods as oh, is yeah. in the title mm. and the kind of that seclusion. And obviously, again, he, she and her husband, Graham, loved that quiet kind of nature life. And she very much grew up in that kind of life as well. I think she was... You know, they were always a very self-sufficient kind of um, yes, family. Yes, Canada is very much a part of that yeah. Tig and Nell thing, yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I, w I just really, I'm glad we did it. I know it's a bit out, it's after, it was published a while back. It's not like a new book or anything, but we'd recommend it to everyone, I think. Um, but yes, maybe but we, like we don't want to, we don't want to do a book of short stories again, though, in this do book. Do we not? No. <laughs> we made that decision and we come to that conclusion. I think Benita said it. Well, I, funny enough, I have a book of Kate Atkinson short stories um, at home that I'm well, dying to read. you can keep them and read them yourself, but don't bring them in here, for God's sake. <laughs> OK, happy birthday well, I do, to you. I do think it is challenging for a book club. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I just right. do think it is. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not, though, but... Mm. For well, me, for me, it's very, mm. very difficult to kind of do that. Well, it's, it, I was thinking as we were talking about maybe in the future we should do a Claire Keegan special where we each take because they're kind of short stories Ooh, essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. each in their own little novella. So if you did, if one of us did small things like these. One of us did Foster. She has a new short story out which is not published yet, but I've read it because it's online, which is incredible. And I think maybe we should dedicate mm. a, a book club to Claire yeah. Keegan because happy to do oh that. Oh my mm. goodness. Mm. What a voice, what a talent. Mm. And uh, 
Again, they're short stories, though, but they're just in one little book. Yeah. Because I think your point, Neve, is really good. After you've read one short story, you almost need that little, okay, now, what should I think Completely. of that? Let it wash over you. Let, yeah. How do I feel? And I did the same as you. I sped read the yeah. uh, the short stories, which yeah. probably wasn't the best idea. Because you uh, think, oh, they're short, great. I'll yeah. yeah. It's really great. <laughs> but you do need that moment at the end to go, hmm, and to think about it and to see where that, and that's the way they're supposed to be read. So maybe the lesson has been learned. But I'm still glad we did it anyway. I'm still glad. And I, I, and I think I do agree, even though I'm a huge fan of Margaret Atwood, I actually don't think I would have picked up this book. So I, I, I'm glad we did it. Okay, that's that's very good. Okay, well, I hope I hope everyone else um, enjoyed reading it as well, and let us know what you think. Thank you very much as always, and happy birthday, Anne Ingle. Happy birthday! You're, you're 84 yeah. now. By the time mm-hmm. this pop, this book podcast goes out, which oh is, yes, uh, just yes, tomorrow I'll be 84. Yeah, that's right. And uh, happy birthday to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks to Neve Terry and Bernice Harrison as always, and we'll let you know what our next book is in due course. Thanks, thanks Rishi. Thank thanks a lot. The National Concert Hall is delighted to announce its new concert season for 24-25, featuring over 60 concerts by world-class artists. Enjoy the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra with Sir Simon Rattle, our very own National Symphony Orchestra and guests, opera favourites with Tara Erocht, cutting-edge music with Bryce Desner, family concerts and lots more. Your music, your National Concert Hall. Book now. Package discounts available. cnch.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.